0: Live at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company.
1: No one, and I mean no one, is gonna outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve, <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Right, here we go. Friday, 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 especially loud yell because college football week zero is tomorrow. So this place will be jamming. This place is Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. If you can't get your bets in tonight, the betting kiosks are open 24 hours a day. There are 55 plus TVs here because they can also split some screens. So it could be 54, it could be 58. Don't hold me to it. There's a lot of TVs here. Unreal memorabilia. Great menu. Here at Treasure Island. Tomorrow, the college football Saturday will begin with Willie and Gooch throw the flag. And they'll be here as the college football season kicks off officially with Nebraska and Notre Dame in the morning. So come and check that out. You can grab one of the Loco Mocos. That's breakfasty, right? You can do that. Never had Loco Moco before. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Lovely meal.
2: You wash it down with, like... I don't know, like a cup of coffee or well, you some know weird me, you know, you, some know weird me. Combo, I, you know me, it could be anything. It could be a cup of coffee. Yeah, with extra cream. My favorite
0: snack, coffee and peanuts. That'll clean you out. Oh, boy. Highly recommend, only because Jed, the uh, remote tech, got it and loved it, the egg salad sandwich. Of all things to be on a menu at a place like the Golden Circle, and Jed's logic on it was, you know, when you see something like that on a menu, you're like, they must be good at it. Right? Like like the, the chef was like,
2: yeah.
0: egg salad sandwich. And everyone looked at him like, wait, what? He's like, no, 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 no one does that. No, I do it. Get it on the menu. And Jed was like, he gave four Jeds, five Jeds. I don't know what the ranking is. Okay. At he loved nine. it. At a nine. At a, no, no, a no, no, no. He, he loved ten. it. He loved it. It looked good, too. I'm not an egg salad guy, but they got it here. Oh, if you want I can it. make you a mean egg salad. Really? Not, not as good as Golden Circles, but a mean one. Wow. I would hold you to that, but I, I don't like exile, so I'm not going to make you do it. All right, big five time.
2: Battle Born Injury Lawyers
1: presents the Big Five at Five, number five.
0: Even though John is a younger guy, he does trend a bit older as a sports fan at times. With his love of golf, he has followed the Saudis versus the PGA very closely. They have. And we have injury news, which I feel like can only happen to a golfer or maybe – one of these blubbery, squatty catchers in the majors right now? Who is it, Kirk? Who's my other guy? Uh, Who's
2: 5'8"? Or no, Alejandro Kirk, yeah, and um, I can't think of the other guy. Why am I blanking on his name?
0: But one of these 5'8", 280 catchers. Uh, You sent over that Scotty Scheffler injured his butt crack.
2: Yeah. So apparently um, Scheffler, this is from the New York Post and uh, other media outlets, um, he had what is called a – Pylonidal needle infection. It's an infection at the top of your butt crack. Oh, God. Uh, really hard for, he said, to bend down. Really hard to make a swing on Sunday. Walking was extremely difficult. The condition, also referred to as a needle or nidal cyst, typically occurs when
0: hair punctures the skin.
2: Then it becomes embedded. That's according to the- uh, That's the, a nightmare. Is it Mayo
0: Clinic? So now we have way too much information about Scotty Scheffler having a uh, hair he took us.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, or just an ingrown hair, it sounds like. Okay, just one hair? He said it was excruciatingly painful, though.
0: I've never had ingrowns, but I heard they're very painful.
2: I've never had an ingrown. Either my dad had to go like undergo a surgical procedure really? one time in his armpit to get like an ingrown hair removed. I watched a lot of TikToks. Like where they have, oh, like, I don't and, like those. And, oh, dude, oh I see
0: that pop up, and I'm like, scroll. I'm
2: a, I'm a big doctor pimple popper, like kind of oh, like no. watch that kind of stuff. You should see some of the ingrown hair cysts. Why are we, why are
0: we doing this? It's like lumps
2: okay. of hair, right. multiple hairs that okay. they'll pull out of these things. Okay. Also, one time, I don't want to get too graphic. We, either. All right,
0: can we move on? What are we doing?
2: So it's I no was, conflict Friday. I was giving my kid a bath, and oh, this is. I don't even like the beginning. Of no, this. no, this is, you'll like this. It's funny. So I was giving my kid a bath, so I was crouched down in the bathtub with my back to the spout, right, giving him a bath. I'm clothed, um, but, you know, because I'm crouching down to help my kid, so my pants fall down a little bit. I get up too quick. You and, scrape it? Oh, just the the spout just gouged me right above my booty crack. It hurt so bad. I, it looked like did two take, fang. Oh, yeah. Did it take a chunk out? Oh, I was bleeding, yeah. It
0: was crazy. That's rough. It's painful. Worst bathroom injury? Let's oh, not yeah. do. Let's not keep doing this.
2: Other than the time that I ate super like triple hot ramen and that was more like, you know, a procedure thing that was like painful the whole time. Number 4. Burning.
0: I'm not going to assume anything about you and the NBA. I feel like you're a Pat Bev guy and I am to a certain extent, but I also feel like he's on the edge of outliving his usefulness like his play on the floor doesn't match his aggressive nature around the floor and during games. Is this a good addition, Pat Beverly, to the Lakers?
2: It's a good addition in in the sense that he fits best with what they really want to do, right? Like, he's he's a little bit more of an off-ball, spot-up shooter that can help him out. He's an okay defender. He fits better than Russell Westbrook, and I think that makes it a positive.
0: A lot of people were commenting – I saw some meme yesterday of just two big dudes just punching each other for no reason, right. just just <laughs> punching each other. Like it looked like a play fight, but we're just going to punch each other. And they were like, "That's Westbrook, that's Beverly, let's go." Yeah,
2: I, I mean that that part's pretty fascinating. Although there is the Lakers, according to some like rumors and rumblings, are still behind the scenes pushing Indiana for a deal that would send Russ over there for any combination and or both um, Buddy Healed and Miles Turner. So we'll see if that's actually going to happen. Um, Wait, what? What's Indiana trying to do? I mean, it's it, it full tank. Yeah, well, yeah, it's expiring contract, yeah. two first round picks, that sort of deal. All right. There's also thoughts that Russ could get the John Wall treatment. For those who don't remember, the Rockets were like, "Just hang out at home, bud. You got one year left on the deal. Just, just go home. We'll pay you. Just, wow. just go work out for a year. That would be incredible. Because I still think Russell Westbrook has some value. If you can get him to buy into a diminished role and a guy who kind of leads. Because think about the guys that the Lakers signed in the offseason, right? Got like uber athletic guys. Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., I think it was Damian Jones in there. Like a lot of just kind of spry, youthful guys that are surrounded by like Russell Westbrook or you know, surrounding them around Russell Westbrook. That could be a bench unit that gets up and down the floor pretty quick, has some pretty good upside on offense. I don't know how good they'd be on defense. But, like, there's something there. You know what I mean? And you can have that, like, as your, like, mob unit coming off of the bench. But that's him buying into that role, and Darvin Ham wanted to do that sort of thing. So I think it's pretty fascinating. It's not over yet, but I think Pat Bev's a solid addition.
0: Number three. Also, so, nice just yeah, say, yeah.
2: I forgot to laugh at the fact that Taylor Horton Tucker was considered untouchable, like, a year ago. That's it. I'm done. Number three. Thank you. I also think Darvin... No, Please. <laughs>
0: We're on a remote. It's a little tougher to keep firing in the threes. I don't agree with most of what the NFL does from a disciplinary standpoint. I think they put themselves in weird positions, you know, from a precedent standpoint. This is going to be a weird one with Matt Ariza, the punter out of San Diego State, who's now been accused of a gang rape, going back to college. His attorney, who he should fire, immediately came out and said, this is just a money grab. The under, underage girl went to the cops immediately after the incident. This isn't new news, and that's where the real issues begin. How long has San Diego State known about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I sat in front of Brady Hoke, and we both raved about Matt Ariza. I don't expect him to tell the media guy, you know what? Might be a crumb. Right. I don't even know if he did this. But if the Bills knew about it, and apparently they have, at least from the lawsuit standpoint or the Chargers standpoint, for a while now, and they still released their other punter to go with Ariza, now this comes out, and guess what? The NFL's got egg on its face all over again. Now that now there's the other side of this where I'm seeing people on Twitter who are like, cut him now. Okay, there's a process here. Mm-hmm. This may not have happened. I don't know what happened. But they're – there seems to be some communication lines that got shut down here, and this was kept quiet for probably a little too long. Right, and so
2: there's a lot of things here. First off, you hit on the most important part to me because you immediately get the weird Twitter guys who are always like, I'm going assume they're all guys, like who always go like, oh, now that he's made the team, huh? Click on the link and read the story. It takes two seconds. Read you the seven. story. Yes. Less than... I think six hours after the party, she whatever went right it was, to the cops. went right to the cops. Had to wait, by the way, if you read the report, five hours in the lobby to actually speak to police officers, and then, of course, gets the rape kit done and all that stuff. Um, and that was the day after the alleged incident. So she went to the cops. This was something that was there. The reason why the suit gets filed is she believes, and her people believe, that everybody is dragging their feet on this. There's still a criminal investigation that's underway, but she also, because a lot of people are like, oh, why why file the civil suit now? Because she feels like justice is not being done. Nothing has happened. Right. So file the suit now. So there's that aspect of it. Stop immediately rushing. That's the other thing. Stop immediately rushing to rich people and athletes and others who could not give a crap about you. Right? That's the weird dynamic that happens with all of this. And and it's the anti-woman thing, too, with a lot of people. But it's just really weird. But I would agree with you. There's a process that's going to play out here to me though the other aspect is you mentioned brady hoke do you remember a kid named brendan gibbons probably not a lot of people do he was a kicker that played at michigan under hoke who was expelled for a sexual assault of another student and when he was under hoke the re- the way hoke handled it first time he was absent ah, it's a muscle issue then when he wasn't with the team anymore ah it's a family matter then to find out oh yeah he got actually expelled because he was sexually assaulted he sexually assaulted somebody I'm not, I don't know what Hulk knew, but this is now two schools and two of these situations in which it seemingly has been ah, shoved under the rug and Hulk has been at the top of the chain.
0: Number two. Let me continue on this. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. But if this is true and there was a cover-up, and San Diego State had dragged their feet, how do you think the Pac-12 looks at this? Yeah. By the way, I don't want to make a joke, but there is one there because this is not funny. But maybe San Diego State is a better match for the Big 12 and places like Baylor. Yeah. And this is what I've been talking about the entire time. Believe me, not the, things happen at Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, you know, USC, UCLA, they're still in the Pac-12. I can name all the schools. Things happen at different schools. But there is a track record here, and also you could look up Jalen McDaniel, who played basketball for San Diego State. There was a real weird one there where there was a delay for uh, about a year and a half on some allegation where he had filmed a woman, sent out the video, you know, having sex and sent out the video without her permission. So and schools get in these positions. And there I understand there's a whole legal end of it. And we'll roll this by all of our attorneys next week, but this is not a good looking and, and Ariza is not punting tonight. He's not playing tonight for the Bills. And frankly, John. The way the NFL has handled these cases, Ariza Ariza, probably should be benched. Now, I don't agree with that, but based on their previous actions of guilty until proven innocent, I guess unless it's Alvin Kamara here in his fight over at the Cromwell, they've had a lot of times where they've launched into some sort of action and sidelined someone before the story was complete, before the legal system finished the whole process. Number two. Number two. So we've been talking about Aaron Donald and this helmet swinging thing. He had a couple of helmets in his hand. He's out of practice swinging the helmets at the Bengals. And a lot of people, especially former players, have come to his defense and said, hey, you know what? It's practice. Don't worry about it. Things get heated. John and I don't agree. I don't see the big difference between what I saw on video with Aaron Donald and what we saw in a game Mm -hmm. on video with Miles Garrett. And Garrett got a pretty healthy suspension. Today on ESPN's been real interesting. It's live TV, right? And people can disagree. You want to do all these talk shows? You want to do what we do? Embrace debate. Well, I, this, I don't. I don't think this is embrace debate. Kind of means we pick a side. Like you and I come in before the show, and I'm like, I'm going to defend Aaron Donald to the hilt, and you're going to say he needs to be in jail. Oh, we kind of messed right? up. Right? And we well, we don't. We, we try not to do that. Whatever, whatever we think we think. So, the NFL crew was on in the morning, and. Adam Schefter is asked about what he's seeing on video as we're witnessing Aaron Donald swinging helmets.
1: Adam, what's going on out there?
0: Assault. <laughs> assault. Okay, that noise at the end was Ryan Clark laughing. Okay, I can't even do it. I think that was Rutledge. She started laughing. Okay. So then later in the day, Stephen A. and Ryan Clark are on, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Saying that's assault is not funny. And you know what? It means even more, in this case, with a guy like Aaron Donald.
1: When you're labeling guys like that and accusing them of criminality with the verbiage that you use, that's a problem. And we should have a heightened level of sensitivity to that as black men. You use the same verbiage when it comes to people fighting in practice in a physical sport like football. That is a problem. And then when you have, I'm going to call it, when you got white analysts, Talking that way and using that language about black dudes. That's another level. I'm not accusing any analyst of, 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 of racism or anything like that. I'm just telling them how we take it.
0: Okay, so Stephen A, without saying, Schefter said Schefter. Hmm. Went after Schefter. Cornell.edu.
2: Assault is generally defined as an intentional act that puts another person in reasonable apprehension of imminent harmful or offensive contact. No physical injury is required, but the actor must have intended to cause a harmful or
0: offensive contact with the victim. Kind of sounds like hitting somebody with a helmet. I think describing an action as an assault uh, isn't necessarily different, whether it's an African-American or someone else. I mean, I'm all about... uh, talking about using certain words like thug, like, you know, if Aaron Donald's a thug, Grayson Allen is a thug. Grayson Allen's actually been far more dangerous to NBA right. cohorts than, 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 than Aaron Donald has been in the NFL. So, Are you getting any of this with Stephen A? And then Ryan Clark was with him saying, hey, you know what? Watch the word assault and, because now you're saying what he did was criminal. I mean, in some ways it was. Now it's it's in – It's in the structure of football practice. or in the structure, in the case of Miles Garrett, in a football game. So you don't want to go down that slippery slope and start charging people. I hadn't thought about the racist angle.
2: I mean, look, I I hadn't either. And I'm always open to, you know, being a white dude in his 30s, being open to how something is perceived differently to me as opposed to somebody who's African-American. So I'm always open to hearing that. Having said that, when you just look at this, I mean, I think Schefter was pretty clear, like, just using the term, like, yeah, he went after somebody, attacked him, hit him with a helmet. I did not think of the implication that was there, and I would not agree that that was the implication that Schefter was using. I agree with you. There are words that are coded for minorities of black people. I did not think that
0: assault is one of them. Keep in mind, we're talking about perception. Stephen A. is saying, hey, we want you to know, what this means and how it makes us feel, I did bring up a little while ago. Can we play this sorry with Derwin James and Ryan Clark earlier in the week, making a reference to about Hunter Renfro that kind of seemed like it was coded?
3: I say Tyree Hill, and then like you say, guys like Waller, guys like Renfro that can, you know, that that can change the game if you if you don't game plan them right. They can they can hurt hurt you. So, did you just start a conversation with Tyreek Hill and go to Hunter Renfro? No, yeah, it's different. Hunter Renfro, the encyclopedia salesman. Yeah, no, there ain't no encyclopedia salesman. Hunter really liked that. Turn the film on, you watch film, don't you?
0: Wait a second. What did he just say about Hunter Renfro? Encyclopedia salesman. It's funny how a week works out. Beginning of the week, saying one thing that seems a bit coded, end of the week, then you feel like you're on the other end of the coding yeah and defending aaron donald top stories coming up darren waller is he going to be back for week one big change yesterday as he moves on from clutch his agency big
2: five at five brought to you by battle born injury lawyers if you've been injured call justin watkins at battle born injury lawyers 570-9000
0: Like I said, he's doing everything he can to get out there as soon as he, he, he can be. I don't want to make a prediction on whether he will or won't be ready here in a few weeks, but he's in every meeting. He's doing everything he can to get out there as fast as possible, working his butt off. He knows that he's going to be a big part of this team and what we want to do, and he's right there, at, like I said, in every meeting, but I'm not concerned about it. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. It's funny now you listen to Josh McDaniel say Darren Waller's working his butt off. Is What's he working on? Because he got rid of his agent yesterday. Agent C, Clutch, is out. According to uh, Sports Business Journal, he's without an agent, and now he's in a five-day window by the NFLPA before he can sign with a new agent. And a lot of us are thinking, you know what, he just got frustrated. Deal's not done. No extension. Clutch... Wasn't able to finish things off, so he's either going in a different direction or doing it himself. And then as far as working his butt off from an injury, I don't know. I don't know if he's injured. I, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. I I do know this, the story is growing tiresome because of the kind of the the secrecy element of it, but I don't blame the Raiders and Waller for both trying to keep it really quiet and not making it this you know big blow-up about an extension not being done because what, what good did that do uh, – Roquan and the Bears, right? And in the end, he just has to come crawling back, and he's like, I'll play, right?
2: I always love when that stuff
0: happens. It's so ridiculous. I mean, I mean, have want- I mean, one close to home as a Jets fan. Denzel Mims, who's been underwhelming, hasn't really done anything in the NFL, and then he's got his agent come out the other day. I want to trade. What? How about you just stay here and try to work your way up the depth chart, win some jobs, you're not. You're, no one's trading you, especially when you do that because now your value is lower. No, you're not getting traded. And then, you know, it came out today. Robert Sala with the Jets is like, it's all good. We, we talked.
2: I will say, um, good on Josh McDaniels, very Belichickian. If that is the case, right, if Waller and this whole thing is about an extension and being unhappy with money and all that stuff, doing their best to keep it under wraps. Oh, my to, God, they've
0: done an amazing job.
2: And to the point where now if actually you, like, you look on responses on social media, Raider Nation, is all like, fake news? You guys are lying. You know what I mean? They've, 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 they have done a brilliant well, job with this. The,
0: the, the only hiccup in this whole thing about keeping it quiet was Waller showing up at the Aces game on a game day. Or for one day of practice and then, like, disappearing again. What do you think happened there?
2: I, I don't know.
0: I mean, You have to assume that they had a, an agreement in principle and then something Somebody blew up.
2: A- and then he fires Clutch because something, they like was it on their end, I guess?
0: Again, I don't want to go too far in speculation, but I, I tied it earlier in the show and repeated it again to, you know, at the highest end of things, A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez back in 2010, I think was just either done with Scott Boris or was like, you know, he's actually got me near the finish line. How about I just fire him and I take all the money, right? I don't have to pay my agent a fee, and he fired Boris, and then within a couple of days a 10-year 275 extension was done by A-Rod. Is he at the game today? I don't know. we got to check. I mean, because that would G- be – The game has kicked off. He should be there. Why wouldn't he be?
2: Right. That's my thinking, right? Like, if so if this whole thing was – because, like, part of the thing that Willie Ramirez and I talked about yesterday while you were out was, you know, Willie was like, hey, Clutch is telling him, don't be there. Don't be around. Like, this is part of the negotiating tactic. You can't do it. Oh, wow. I thought of that. And Darren Waller was at odds with that. So he fired them, and now he's going to handle it his way. <laughs> so if that's the case – Waller should be there today, right?
0: You would think. If if that was one of the arguments between right. he and the agency. It would be interesting. Raiders out to a 3-0 start. A couple of nice completions by Stiddy. And now Mac Jones is in there. He is playing. He just busted off about a 15-yard scramble. So we'll keep track of the game. If you want to listen to the game, it's on Comp 92.3. And Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
1: Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Adam, what's going on out there? Assault. Assault. That is a problem. And then when you have, I'm going to call it, when you got white analysts talking that way and using that language about black dudes. That's another level. I'm not accusing any analysts of of, of, of racism or anything like that. I'm just telling them how we take it. It's
0: got real intense. NFL Films coming through with the music. Adam Schefter saying he saw assault with Aaron Donald swinging his helmet. Later in the day, Stephen A. Smith saying, white analyst. Don't like that word, Schefter.
2: He was throwing the flag on it.
0: But I'm not saying anyone's racist. Okay. So we got a situation here. But the situation starts with Aaron Donald. Let's bring in another former NFL player who uh, certainly is familiar with the intensity of practice and joint practices. Mark McMillan is up on our football Friday. What's up, Mark? What's going on, my man? A lot, a lot. We got a little temper tantrum by Aaron Donald. So how do you view oh, this? Because a, a lot of people are flipping out that, uh, you know, Donald was trying to hit people with helmets.
3: Well, you know, like I said, there's no jurisdiction uh, doing training camp, so there's no rules about that. Uh, when you have these joint practices, you're going to have fights like this. That's going to break out, obviously, with the emerge uh, of social media and cell phones. Um, I think the Raiders do a really good job about their time limits, like the time that you can film and can't film. Uh, So I I think whoever was with Cincinnati, they need to uh, change their policy about letting people film. But it probably was a fan the way it looked, you know, so it was kind of far away. But um, things get heated, man. You got to remember, these teams battled it out in the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, and then you, you, you battle it out for a couple of days. It's hot. Um, I'm sure those guys would be going after Aaron Donald. Everybody knows that Aaron does not take any bull crap from anybody. Um, and it just it just turned over to social media. You know, I can remember in Westchester in, in Philadelphia, there was a lot of times that there was helmets being thrown and guys getting punched, but there was no social media, so it just got swept under the rug.
0: Yeah, we have had a lot of players come to the defense of Aaron Donald saying, hey, you know, things get heated. Uh, is there a line that can be crossed? Like, what's the worst thing you saw a player do? Or, like, what would get you super pissed off? Well, frankly, if you're out there and, uh, you know, whoever you want to you know, compare to Aaron Donald of your era and he, you know, Mark, you're a shorter guy. A guy hits you with a freaking helmet. <laughs> are you just going to be like, hey, it's practice. No problem. Things get heated. You're good, bro.
3: Oh, no, no. I, I had a lot of fights. Uh, me and Fred Barnett, man, we battled it out a lot. Uh, we actually threw blows. You know, there was blood being thrown. Uh, everybody remembers Andre Waters, aka Dirty Waters. Oh, Jesus, yeah. um, Andre was always going after guys. There was always fights with Andre uh, and some of our linemen, Ron Heller and Anton Davis and Brian Baldinger. Uh, I'm sure if you guys interview Brian Baldinger, he'll tell you the same thing. There was heated battles every day in training camp, and that was against our own team. That wasn't even just that wasn't even joint practice.
2: So, I, what, Mark? What I have found pretty interesting about this is. This dynamic of, like, I get that training camp gets heated, right, and that arguments and fights and fisticuffs are going to fly because you guys are working really hard and you're getting pushed to your limit and it's really hot, all of those sort of things. What I found really interesting is that people just keep looking at, because Miles Garrett, Garrett comparison comes up, and the, the thought is, oh, that happened in a game. That's different. Well, the action's the same, so why is this being considered a lesser offense when both are the exact same actions?
3: Um, there's there's nothing in the uh, NFL guidelines or, or, or rulebook that said you can't fight in, in training camp. Okay. There's there's there, you know and obviously in the NFL it's, it's on the national stage. Everybody's looking. Um, I guarantee if you have these joint practices, uh, I would say half these teams. What the Raiders? I think they had a big scuffle with the uh, what, with the Rams a you Yep. Uh, it, it wasn't on social media blown up like that. And then you take Aaron Donald who's the, you know, not the really, he's not the nice guy everybody likes in the National Football League, and, and it just gets blown out of proportion. And um, I just think as a fan standpoint, man, if somebody came into your job constantly beating on you uh, for two days straight, uh, spitting on you, grabbing, poking, uh, you're not going to just sit there and be like, excuse me, can you pass the key? Excuse me, can you give me my pen back? You're going to retaliate at some point. And this is a barbaric sport. You know, that's why everybody can't do this and everybody can't play that, that sport at that high level.
0: Mark McMillan is with us here on this Friday, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Mark, what would you cook this week? Oh, man, I, I think
3: I tweeted out a nice little pork tenderloin. Uh, I marinated in a little Trogs beer, uh, beer that I got from uh, Trogs Brewery in uh, Hersey, Pennsylvania. One little boom 3.0 season for 24 hours, and I I smoked it for about an hour and 45 minutes, so it came out to be like 180 and 200. Man, it was delicious with a little garlic mashed potato.
0: Nice. I saw brats early in the week.
3: Oh, you, you know, every time we text, man, we try to figure out what we're going to do for the show. And everybody else mentioned brats, like, man, your brat game is strong. So I said, <laughs> I got to bring brats this Friday. You know, getting ready to be college football, opening day. There's nothing better than brats, man. Bathe in a little beer. A little Worcestershire sauce, little peppers, uh, a little peppers, and a and just a little bit of onions as well, man. And then you just slide on a little mustard on the bun. That's all you need.
0: Lovely. All right, you were out at joint practice this week, and I thought there was a lot of overreacting to what was going on, especially from the Patriots media. It was a tale of, you know, Raider domination. But you've been involved yeah. in these things before. You know football. What do you see out there?
3: Um, I just saw an evenly matched competition. Uh, Guys wasn't really going at it like I thought. Um, You know, I had an opportunity to uh, watch practice with Eric Allen, and we, you know, kind of looked at it from our point of view. Um, We just thought it was just a nice practice. And, you know, the Patriots, uh, you know, did well on their end in the red zone in some plays, and the Raiders did well on some plays as well. So, you know, Devontae Adams, obviously is the best receiver in the game. Um, If you know New England, they don't have man-to-man coverage, so he had his way. Of course, but that's just not the way New England plays defense. They're a scheme type defense, so you know when people see Devontae just scoring touchdowns at the touchdowns like, well, that's not the Patriots' strength. And you know, you really can't get a real read on uh, what they're trying to do because Bill Belichick is not going to give you anything.
2: Right. But if
3: you look at social, if you look at social media, oh my God, you just swear the Raiders just had the had the best two day practice uh, in, in training camp. But I just thought it was a, a, a nice little cool practice. Uh, there was nothing special that really happened. Um, both teams moved the ball up and down the field. Um, Mac Jones made some really good throws uh, against tight coverage, and the Patriots scored as well, but it was a well orchestrated practice. You know, those yeah. guys would just happen to be there. Uh, and we, we talked about that. Eric said, what do you think Al Davis is doing right now?
0: Too chill, huh?
3: Probably rolling over What right. is his grave. What is this? <laughs> Patriots is in there taking his Eat his food, you know. And it was just, it was, it was, it was real nice. And as far as the media, there was a lot of Patriots media there, and uh, you know, Josh was real excited. You know, he was like, "Hey, hello, Boston." He was calling guys' name out, pointing guys out. You were there. It was a New England Patriots press conference with both of the Raiders reported in there.
0: Yeah, I think the other thing that people notice is that uh, Belichick seemed to be a little more lighthearted than normal. Like he was kind of happy to be around his former guy. Josh McDaniels. Hell, he, he had such a good time. He went over to uh, the UFC headquarters and he had the biggest smile on his face ever when he put on one of those UFC belts. I saw that, man. He's over there hanging
3: out with uh, Dana White. Uh, you know, he's living his best life, man. He's comfortable. Uh, he said all the right things. This is the this is the Taj Mahal of the NFL. It's a nice facility. They let us work out. They let us train. They let us even stay in their host hotel. I was like, man, like, like I said, it was just like home away from home and Obviously, New England have to come back here later on, but it was like they were happy to see each other, like really happy to see each other. Like, man, if things don't go right, Bill, you know I'm coming back to New England.
0: I wonder if Belichick spoke to Dana White away from the cameras because there was that whole story with Dana White where he told the the Gronk cast that he tried to steal away Gronk and Brady, you know, to go to the Raiders. I wonder if Belichick pulled him aside and like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, I know
3: that that came out, um, you know, but if you think about it, and, and, you know, for Derek Carr was in the – you know, we're in the press conference. We heard Josh talk, and they're talking about, hey, how do you feel about leaving, uh, you know, Mac Jones? And he was like, man, it was tough. Uh, It was hard leaving Mac Jones. And I'm thinking like, okay, maybe he's going to turn it and be like, well, I'm in a great position. I have a really – you know, Pro Bowl quarterback in Derek Carr. we got lots of weapons around him. He didn't say anything like that. He just kept gloating about Mac Jones. Yeah, And I'm like – wow, you know, you, you got Carr over here who's who's got, you know, Brady Brady news in his head. Uh, you know, you got Gronk, you got Waller who's holding out. And it's like, okay, you bring Brady in, but you still didn't have the offensive lineman to make that go. You still don't have that defense uh, to win a Super Bowl. So I know a lot of people are like, why wouldn't you make that deal? Gruden screwed it up. And it's like, Brady's not going to go anywhere when he doesn't have, you know, good offensive lineman because he's not running. And, you know, Gronk is Gronk, but you have Darren Waller. You know, you get you know, one of the best young tight ends in the National Football League.
0: Yeah, the, the flip side of that whole Dana White story was if Gruden did nix a deal, that's got to make Carr feel good that Gruden was like, you know what, we don't want Brady. We got a guy here that we believe in for, you know, five or six more years. We'll take a pass on Brady. I would hope Derek Carr turns that into a positive.
3: Yeah, and, like, you know, when you talk to uh, Derek Carr or you talk to what, about everything that he went through last year, being the spokesman for the team, um, he was a Gruden guy. Um, you know, if Gruden gave this guy the keys to the car, uh, you know, put him in some really good positions. Um, if you look at his numbers, his numbers were really good under Gruden. Uh, so I don't think you're going to find Derek Carr saying anything bad about uh, Gruden. And if anything, he's probably like, yo, man, I appreciate you not pulling the string on the deal. <laughs> and now you fast forward to what he has now with all these weapons, Derek Carr's in a really good place right now.
0: Raiders leading 10 nothing now. Zamir White just went in for a touchdown on the ground, so a solid game here with a lot of the backups out there, although there are some starters on the uh, defense for the Patriots who are playing. By the way, uh,
2: waxing poetic about Mac Jones, who threw an interception in the drive prior, which set up the Raiders for that score. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, that's, Mark, that's, go good, Mark. For,
3: that's, that's good for the defensive secondary. You know, these guys have been working hard. Um, I've been seeing a lot of improvement on the back end as far as the secondary. They only had six interceptions last year, so hopefully each each week they can improve and get more picks. Uh, you know, so that's, that's a good sign for the Raiders' secondary.
0: All right, Mark. What After this game, what do the Raiders need to address? Obviously the right tackle situation has got to get figured out here and what the heck they're going to do with uh, Alex Leatherwood. And then, as you mentioned, the holdout. It's not really being called that. But by Darren Waller, what are your other concerns now? They're going to have a few weeks before the regular season starts.
3: Um, I, I, they need to get some more interior alignment. I know they're getting some guys back. Uh, You need to get another pass rush off the edge for, you know, that's going to relieve Chandler Jones. Um, He says all the right things uh, in in, in the press conference, uh, but he does have a lot of tread on his tires. And, you know, Max Crosby is going to be getting double teamed a lot, so that's going to put a lot of pressure on Chandler Jones uh, to be an every down back, and I don't think he's an every down back uh, at this stage of his career. So, you know, they're going to need some help with that. Uh, Obviously, in the safety position, they got some nice young pieces uh, there. Um, you 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 release Kenyon Drake and obviously Ken, uh, you know Zaire who just scored is a young up and coming guy that uh, Coach Kinney uh, raged about in practice. A young guy from Georgia, uh, so they got some really good pieces around them. Um, you get you know you get Waller back, who I really believe wants to be in training camp, uh, especially after firing his agent. Um, so they got some really good pieces to work around and in a tough division.
0: One other note from the NFL: uh, bad injury news with. Uh... Tyron Smith, the left tackle for the Cowboys, may be down most of the regular season, if not all of it. The door is open now for Philadelphia. Frankly, Philadelphia should win this division because the Cowboys' offseason was not a good one, and they really can't afford to lose a guy like that on the offensive line.
3: Yeah, that was a big blow. Obviously, he's been hurt the last couple years. Um, He really hasn't been healthy for a while, but he was one of the premier tackles uh, in the National Football League, and when you lose a guy like that, tearing the hamstring off the bone with a lineman like that uh you know they're talking about come back in december but when you're a big guy like that and you tear the meat off your bone man that's just like you know smoking a turkey leg you know at 350 for about four or five hours man <laughs> it just, it just do not come back together like that so right. the eagles are the eagles are in a good position um you know obviously uh Jalen is looking really good uh the defense is coming around uh, obviously uh kelsey you know he's not going to be uh starting center for a while he's had elbow surgery, uh, but they got some really good, nice pieces around him. Guys are healthy. Um, this is the second year for the for the head coach in a system that he's implementing. Um, he's he's figured out in Philadelphia that you can't be the happy-go-lucky coach because the fans will boo you out of there real quick. Uh, but you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have a good chance of winning this division and making some noise. Uh, you know, down the line, they made some really good picks uh, in the draft. Um, you know, got you know, some, got the defensive tackle from from Georgia. Um, you know, got linebackers from Georgia, so they got some really good pieces um, on both sides of the ball, and I'm excited. But w- what is the Jets going to do, Steve? You know, I always got to go back to your Jets. It's
0: not looking good so far on the preseason. Let's be honest, <laughs> right? Quarterback's hurt. You got a, uh, you know, a, a what th- second year, or third year receiver? What, is Mims second or third? I can't remember. Uh, third. W-3. I think uh, Mims complaining. He wants <laughs> out. Like, like, bro, just just play. Uh, cut it out. Yeah. Let, all right, let, let's let's talk about. UNLV, because you've been out at a lot of these practices. You spoke to the team about 10 days ago. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a very winnable game tomorrow in the opener. In fact, they need to win it. They're three touchdown-plus favorites. Talk about the pressure that's on not only the players but Arroyo to get off to a good start.
3: Um, it's really uh, important for them to get a good start. I've seen some of the, uh, the, the odds are you know, four games. I told the guys I said five to six games, and I – I see them playing in a bowl game. Uh, You know, some of the wins that they uh, had last year were were tough wins that they lost a year or two years before. Um, And then obviously, you know, you bring in a lot of JUCO guys with a lot of experience. Um, You know, I really like the way they ran that training camp. Um, You know, I got a chance to see them a couple of times. Uh, It was very efficient. Guys were really getting after it. It was, what, 110, probably 130 on that turf. Uh, Guys are making big plays, passing out after making big plays. But these guys are encouraging each other. Um, I like the fight uh, that these guys have. And, you know, obviously, you know, Idaho State is coming in. Uh, coach Rago, who is a good friend of mine from Arizona. So I'm excited to see these guys get after it tomorrow. And um, I'm really pulling for the coach, man, to get this thing uh, get this thing going. And hopefully, you know, these fans can get behind this team as well and support these young men.
0: What did you think of the story? I posted a quick video, and I saw you reacted to it with Jare Williams, one of the defensive backs. He He's the uh, – He's a nickelback, and, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's the smallest defensive back they have who's going to play a lot at 5'10". Yep. But his story is amazing because, uh, you know, he, just, he moved out here. He didn't even know he was going to play college football again after being at Arkansas Monticello. He wasn't recruited heavily out of high school. And I'm sure in a lot of ways, you know, you wind up at Alabama, but your trek to get to Alabama was not easy.
3: No, it wasn't easy. And, you know, this young man's got a great story. And, you know, uh, obviously just watching practice, you know, obviously there were a couple of new guys, but a couple of guys I knew because I coached or trained those guys in high school. Um, but just looking at him on the sideline, this young man was always engaged, always talking. Uh, he's a gritty competitor. Um, it was just something about him. And then I saw your tweet out. I was like, man, that's that same kid that I was kind of focusing on, just watching his body language, uh, not knowing his story. Uh, but now, you know, knowing a little bit about his background, I see why this young man carries himself like this. Um, I'm really pulling for this young man. Uh, like I said, he's an undersized guy, uh, so he knows he has to fight for everything. And, and for him to get this opportunity to play on, on opening day um, is nothing but a blessing for this young man. I think he's going to go out there and uh, do well. And, you know, like I said, you've got a lot of new plate play pieces with a lot of new duco guys, so it's not going to really tell until tomorrow, you know. So hopefully they can figure it out. The um, you know, quarterback, today, they announce the starting quarterback yet?
0: They have not. It'll come out probably an hour before the game tomorrow. I mean, we think it's Doug Brumfield, but it could be Harrison Bailey, so we'll see what happens. Hey, Mark, we're up against it, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay?
3: All right, man. I appreciate it. I'll see you at the game tomorrow.
0: There he is, Mark McMillan. We'll see you at the game. That'll do it here from the Golden Circle inside Treasure Island. We're back tomorrow, 9 o'clock. We're not back, but Willie and Gooch are back. We'll see you.